This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles. Hey, that's a hell of a job coming down here being the good football team. Three-step drop, throws all the end zone. Caught ball! Touchdown, Tampa Bay! Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Brought to you by Advent Health. With award-winning care and a network of convenient locations, Advent Health is here to help you feel whole. Learn more at yourcareyournetwork.com. Fire the cannons! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Todd Bowles. Welcome into the Todd Bowles Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Todd Bowles. All right, so big picture of this game. It's so interesting to see how the defense allowed more points than they had in the first three games combined, but then the offense scored more touchdowns than they had in the first three games combined. So when we look at the uh, slight opposite responses as compared to the other games, what are the big takeaways for you when you hear those stats of each side of the ball having some pretty different performances than they had shown in the first three games? Well, the biggest takeaway is that we lost the game. You know, you want to win the ball game. Defensively, the first three weeks were all erased by the game against, uh, obviously, Kansas City, and they did a good job. We didn't play as well up front as we normally play, and we didn't make any plays, and you got to give them some credit. But hopefully we got to bounce back as a 24-hour rule. This game will always have a way of humbling you when you think you become better than you are. So... Hopefully that's a wake-up call for these guys and we get back to work. I know that we talked about third down on defense last week as well and in each of the weeks essentially. And um, Does it feel still like this was just the fact that it, the lack of success on third down defensively was more about the fact that it was continuously a third and short situation? Or was there something else specifically on third down that was a little different than what you guys hoped? Our first and second down was tough for us. We were hitting them at three. They were falling seven, eight-yard gains and making it third and short. It's hard to convert third down percentage on defense when it's always third and one, third and two. And they do a good job with everything they do from a trick play standpoint, from a personnel standpoint of converting third downs. And we didn't do well enough on first, second down to get them in third and long. I know that Travis Kelsey, I mean, we know what a weapon he is. And we know in particular that he's a guy Mahomes definitely looks for on third down. I know you guys knew that, thought about that, planned for that. What makes him still so challenging that he can get those kind of numbers when it's not like you guys are like, oh, that's right, I forgot about Kelsey. <laughs> he's a good athlete. You know, he's a very good athlete. He's a student of the game. He understands where to move once Mahomes starts scrambling. So they have good chemistry. Uh, they're on the same page. We didn't do a good job of carrying out our assignments. And, you know, he got us. He got us. And I know that for you guys, win or lose, there's always takeaways, always things that you're wanting to look at in the film room and how you can get better. So what does facing a guy like Patrick Mahomes, who has such a unique skill set, do for your defense moving forward where as much as the loss is unfortunate, the, the way that it felt like I remember when the last time you guys played them in the regular season, it felt like the second half was in some ways the turning point of this team getting some things figured out. Could this be one of those situations where facing a guy like him can be a lesson moving forward that can help you in the long run? I hope the game is a lesson in itself. We didn't play well in any aspect on defense. So it wasn't just facing Mahomes. I thought they were more physical. I thought they beat us in the passing game and the run game and all situational football. I know we turned it over in the red zone twice, but we got to hold them to three instead of seven. We got to play better football than that. And how about in the run game? I know in particular that's an area you guys really take a lot of pride in and to allow 189 uh, rushing yards, even though they are a team that 
guys, when you have Mahomes, you have multiple threats in that area. They can be challenging. What specifically didn't go the way you wanted to in stopping the run? I don't think we were assignment detailed. I don't think we were as physical as we needed to be, and we didn't tackle well. The, the, the trifecta in, yes. in the running game. Um, how about some of the some of the positive things that came out of the defense where you did have three sacks on a guy that is, again, hard, he's elusive, he can be challenging to bring down, and um, they were from maybe some of your less likely guys to get sacks. So Mike Edwards gets one, and then your backup outside linebackers, Anthony Nelson, Carl Nassib. Tell us what worked well for each of those guys on those plays and, and just what it meant to the defense to know that you can bring a guy like him down with your guys that aren't typically your first ideas of who would be getting sacks. Well, Carl and Nelson, they're long, they got length, and they can play on the outside. We don't feel like we lose anything in the run game or the pass game when those two come in the game. They're different type of rushers. Uh, Mike is very cerebral. You don't expect him to come. So when he does come, usually he has good results. And I know uh, Carlton went down with a, a stinger, I believe, at one yes. point, and uh, Sean Murphy Bunting comes in for him for his first regular season action at defense this year. So. What did it say to you about him that a guy who hasn't seen the field in that capacity, has his number called, comes in and gets an interception off a very challenging guy to get an interception off of? What did that say to you about him maybe on and off the field? It says a lot. Man, he stayed ready. He stayed ready. He studied. He waited for his opportunity. Once he got in there, he, was, he paid attention to detail. He made a play. You know, that says a lot about Sean. So we expect him to help us a lot more this year. And what specifically happened on that play that he was able to, to make that and, and make that read, make that jump? I think his receiver went away. Mahomes was looking to the other side to throw, and then he received pressure at the last minute, and he just let one go, tried to make a Mahomes type of throw, and Sean was sitting right there. And we talked about Carlton going down with the stinger. Overall, uh, what are some of the injury updates that you know at this point for guys who went out at any point during the game and, and when you might expect some of them back? Well, Brait's in a concussion protocol, so we'll see where he's at toward the end of the week. Uh, Logan Ryan has a foot that he's getting evaluated on, and we'll see. Everybody else is just kind of nicked up and bruised up, so they should be okay. All right, and then another guy that you were able to have back, not so much because of injury, but just because of suspension, was Mike Evans, and looked like a guy who uh, missed playing football last week and a guy who was ready to <laughs> make up for some lost time. So, uh, I mean, two touchdowns, over 100 yards, quite a, quite a coming back party for him. Uh, what did you see specifically from him in this game and maybe even just how he has handled the last week or so after the suspension of coming back? He understands he needs to be better for the team. He, he certainly understands that. But Mike, Mike is a competitor and he's a gamer. You can see by the catches he made. He doesn't make easy catches. He makes all the tough catches. He loves the competition. He loves the physicality of it. And he gives us a spark. He gives us that toughness on offense, that wide receiver that you don't normally have. And I think in this game, uh, he now is tied for the most multi-receiving touchdown game since he's come into the league. And he now has the franchise record for yards from scrimmage for his career. What sense have you gotten of just what he means to this team, the franchise, the city overall of, of the years that you have been here and gotten to watch him? He means everything. You know, he's such a class guy off the field. He does a lot in the community. Uh, he's a family man. He's a competitor on the field. He's always trying to make somebody better. You know, you love his fight. Not mentally, you love his <laughs> yeah, fight. Not the literal. <laughs> you <we> love <laughs> his fight. You love his fight and you love his passion for the game. And, and he's always up for competing. All right, well, we have more coming up here on the Todd Bowl Show. We'll be right back.
Welcome back into the Todd Bowles Show. Casey Phillips here with head coach Todd Bowles. And uh, we are talking about how successful Mike was able to be. How much of that was also the fact that the full crop of wide receivers was at least available at the beginning of the game? The way that just their presence can even help him and the way they all help each other being out there by drawing some of the attention away, is that what you saw as part of why Mike was able to have the success he had? That plus the chemistry with Tom, you know, they have a chemistry that they know where each other's going to be. He kind of knows his body movements, how high he has to throw it. Mike knows and Tom knows they have this uncanny chemistry that they know where each other is at all times. And Chris being out there and obviously Julio for a minute and Russ being out there as well as Beasley all at the same time, you know, at least it gave us some firepower. And what did you see from those other guys, the, the first chance to, to look at all of them out there together, especially when you mentioned Beasley, that this is the first time that group of guys has all been available for a game. What did you see and, and maybe what was still some lingering in injury things versus just what you feel like their production could be moving forward? I think as we learn to use them together, I think we'll get more into it as to what they can do together. Apart, you know what they can do, you know what Beasley can do and Chris and everybody else, but putting them on the field together, designing plays for them. That, that'll be our next challenge as far as making sure everybody gets their touches when they're out there at the same time. I know that uh, six carries uh, for three yards, not an ideal scenario for the run game. How much of that was the run game not working versus just the situation of we're behind, we're not going to be in a position where we can run very much? It's a little of both, you know. I don't think we got much movement up there. That was a work in progress. It's been tough sledding the last two weeks. At the same time, we got behind some, but we could have ran a little bit more. But that, that's a work in progress. But we had receivers to throw to, so we still moved the ball. How would you rate the offensive lines play, both in, in that run game and then trying to protect Tom? Protecting Tom, there was a few mishaps here and there, but overall I thought they did decent. You know, he, he got to throw the ball and stand back there. He got hit a few times, which we don't want, but at the same time they're getting better and better every week. And even though the run game didn't get going very much, you were able to get Fournette involved in the passing game, seven catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. Um, we know that that's always something that Tom has liked to have on a lot of his teams is the ability to know he's got these running backs that he can throw to as well. So um, how important was this moving forward to establish, to be able to help Tom out, help Leonard get this in, into his game as well? I think it's huge because you're going to start double teaming the wide receivers. So we're going to need a guy, and Leonard and Rashad are guys that can catch the ball out of the backfield and then do a lot with a little. And speaking of Rashad, I'm sure that there's been discussions about the opening kickoff. Uh, what is your message in the moment like that to a player and then what was it like to see that he was able to, as a rookie, still come back in, get his first career touchdown, you know, to be able to get over that mental hump early in the game? Well, you can't make a big play every, every play. When he goes into a pile, he's got to learn to put the ball away. That's two times in four weeks, and he, he hasn't fumbled in college. So we got to make sure we put the ball away, and he understands that. But when he got in the game on offense, he redeemed himself some, and he got us some first down. So he'll, he'll get better and better at that. And overall special teams play, uh, I know they had been quite a bright spot so far this season. Um, what did you feel like their play overall in terms of whether it's kicking, punting, the coverage teams, return guys, how would you rate all of that? I didn't think it was as good this game. Uh, obviously the field goal kicking and extra points were good, but the coverage and the blocking and us getting off of blocks weren't as good as it's been in the past. 
And then Coquifed, uh, another rookie getting some action, get his first career catch, a guy known for his blocking, and then Manny is out there looking like he's ready to be a receiving <laughs> tight end. Uh, what did you see from him in that play? He can catch the ball. You know, he's a solid tight end. He can catch the ball. He's not as fluid as the rest of them, but he can definitely catch the ball, and he can block as well. So he'll get some more balls down the line. He's very reliable. Being a head coach is hard enough, and then, you know, Hurricane gets thrown at you, and... <laughs> what do you feel like you have learned this last week as the head coach getting put through something like this and, and looking back on the experience, what are your biggest takeaways from thinking about everything you guys had to go through? Well, the first thing is at least everyone's family was safe. They got out so they can concentrate on football. You know, And then your heart goes out to everybody else that got hit down in central Florida all the way below us. And that, that, that's just something that you can't practice or prepare for you just have to do it in the moment and you got to make sure everything and everyone is taken care of so they can concentrate and that's a lot of people because you don't want to be responsible for having people that got left behind <clears throat> and things didn't go well so once that got out the way the trip itself it ended up being okay from a practice standpoint there were a lot of people in that hotel. Yeah, and animals and kids there and everything. There were a lot of people in that hotel. <laughs> Anything that was a particular moment that stood out to you as you're watching the chaos ensue? I think I saw more dogs than I've ever seen in my life. I, I think I saw every kind of dog and every kind of pet that I could see in the hotel, so I never have to go to the pet shop again. That's true. You've seen it all. In particular, uh, I think Luke Gedeke maybe with a rabbit. Did we did we know about this ahead I of time? I knew about the rabbit, yeah. but I didn't see the rabbit. I knew about the rabbit and a couple cats and even the horse. And even, you know, there's just so much going on. you got such a diverse team. Um, so for you, when you think about these moments as a coach that are so important for the team and not something you can know how to prepare for, what do you think it is about coaching whether it's the ups or downs or these weird things that made you want to do this. What is it about coaching that you love and that made you originally want to do this after transitioning out of being a player? Oh, well, the first thing is I know we're crazy for doing it. <laughs> <laughs> the second thing is you love the X's and O's part of the competition and you're just teachers. You're really just teachers. And anytime you can help someone get better and help the team get better, you feel better about yourself. But other than that, it's just the love of the game. I grew up playing it, always loved playing it, loved coaching it, loved the X's and O's part and the competition part of it. So everything else that comes with it, some of it is a little more exotic than the others, but you take it in stride and you try to handle it one situation at a time. Do you remember when coaching first became something that you thought you would go into? Was there a certain moment or time that you thought that's what you would do? Doug Williams' fault. Uh, <laughs> it's fault. Doug, it's Doug's <laughs> fault. Doug got me into coaching, and he brought me down to Morehouse to coach, and he always thought I would be a good coach, and Emmett Thomas was another one. I kind of did it when I played because back then when I played, the safety ran the whole system. He was the signal caller. He went over for the timeouts. He made all the adjustments. And I was doing it while I was playing, and everybody thought I'd be good at it. So I said, well, let me give it a shot and see if I like it. And what do you think about the guys on the team now? If you were to say who might be that guy that they someday might be saying, oh, this is Coach Bowles' fault that I'm into this. <clears throat> who are the guys you think might have coaching in, in their blood or in their future? Levante, well, he, he can have it. Uh, 
Will Golston for a Little League peewee team. He can, <laughs> you can do it. Will can do it for a Little League peewee team. Uh, Mike Evans can also do a Little League peewee team. Ryan Griffin, he'll be a good coach. Mm. Ryan will be a very good coach. And there might be, Sean Bunting will be a good coach. Mm. And Logan Ryan, if he wanted to, he'd be a good coach. Man, it sounds like you've got a lot of guys on this team that are ready for that. What would you say is the hardest part of being a coach? Ooh, just the hours of that and your family time. Not just that, but the getting over a loss for assistant coaches. They usually linger throughout the week unless you change the situation and make it bright and sunnier and get them to move on from the 24-hour rule. That will probably be the hardest. Playing a late game, getting back at 4 a.m., having to be in the office at 6 a.m., that'll be the norm. Yeah, and so your your job is to be the bright and sunny guy coming in? Oh, no. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like... I have my days, mm. but no, it all depends. It all depends. <laughs> it goes back and forth. Looking forward to this game against Atlanta, and, you know, typically with the division games, you can say it's a pro and a con that typically you're very familiar with them and what they do in their style, but this is a, a different Falcons team than the one that we faced the last few years. So uh, what are the big high-level takeaways of how this matchup could be different than years past, how this Falcons team is different than years past? Well, offensively, they're a lot more physical up front. Uh, they have a heck of a run game. I think the coaches do a great job of putting them in situations and positions to take advantage of. The runners, they have an extra blocker. I think they use their tight end very well. He's all over the place. He can be inside, outside. They're doing that with all their tight ends. I think the receivers do a good job of blocking and getting open, and they have a slew of running backs now. And Mariota, obviously, we're seeing for the first time, really. Uh, he does a great job running their offense. Obviously, he knows it from Tennessee, and they're moving the ball on people at will, pretty much. And defensively, they're getting off the field. You know, they're a lot more physical up front. They're, they're getting their hands on balls, and it's going to be a tough ball game. What is it about Mariota at this point in his career? Uh, how, how much has he grown or changed from, you know, I know that Bucks fans were pretty familiar with him rookie year coming in, wondering if the Bucks would be the ones to draft him. So where do you see Mariota at this point in his career and what he can bring? What are the, the biggest threats that he has? Obviously, his maturity on the game, understanding the game and knowing what it takes to win. You have that coming out of college, but until you're in the system and you understand the things that you really can do and have to do to win the ball game, I think he's got that down to a science. Um, he's, he's, he's grown so much in his mastery of their offense. Obviously, he's been running that one for years, so he should have grown in it, and, and he's doing a great job for him. I know Patterson had been a huge part of their offense, and now we found out that he's going on IR for his knee. How much does that change what you think they're going to be wanting to do, able to do, and, and what that could mean for your defense and the way they're able to attack? I don't think it changes much. They have a couple guys they run back there anyway, all of them tough runners, so they're just going to use that and they're going to keep it moving. How much do you preach about the idea of the not just the record but the idea that this is essentially for first place in the division while there's so much football left to be played. Do you use storylines like that with the team? Do you, how much are you guys going to talk about that, or is it just still the coaching mantra of, of one game at a time? Not this early. You're not really playing for first place this early. You're playing a division opponent, and you know that could have ramifications down the line. So you always want to win the division games. They know you. You know them. It's going to be a tough game. We know that going in. 
We just have to prepare and play a hard game because there are no easy division games. And so finally, looking at this last week's game, what are the biggest things that you want to see happen this next week to know that, like you said, you want the whole game to be a lesson? What will be the things that are the evidence showing you that the guys learned from what happened against the Chiefs that you want to see on display against the Falcons? Uh, preparation. You know, the biggest thing is preparation and practice. You'll play how you practice. Uh, with all the movement last week, I don't think we prepped as well as we should have or as well as some people could have, but preparation will be the key this week. All right. Well, Coach, thank you as always, and good luck against the Falcons. Appreciate it. Coming up next on Buccaneers Total Access, we will have Director of Team Operations Tim Jaraki to give us the breakdown of everything that involved fleeing from Hurricane Ian. This is brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Pressure coming up the gut. And Prescott goes down. He's sacked for the first time of the game. Devin White. Linebacker blitz. Now more with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. First half of the show we had head coach Todd Bowles, and now I am very excited to be joined by Tim Jaraki. Now, Tim, a lot of people may not know who you are, except until when we say, oh, wait, do you remember when the guy had to retrieve the 600 touchdown ball from a fan, and then suddenly everyone's like, that guy. Is it funny to you that now that is how you're known in this organization? Yeah. Um, typically, you know, with operations, we're used to being behind the scenes. So uh, whenever it gets to a point like this interview or getting the football, being in front of the camera or, you know, in front of the microphone, it's, uh, it takes a lot of getting used to. Still not there yet. Still not there yet? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. This will be part of your training here now that you are more forward facing because now you're famous for being the guy that took hundreds of people and animals and kids and everybody all the way down to Miami to flee the hurricane. So we felt like this was just such a cool opportunity to get a chance to hear more about your job, that it is an amazing job and you do an incredible job every week. But right now is a time that it is a little bit more in the public eye and in the news than than normal. So let's go ahead and well, first of all, we got to start with the whole 600 ball, because I think that that's just very it's a very funny role that doesn't necessarily have to do with the rest of your job. But I feel like people would love to hear the firsthand account from you of how that went down and how you became the guy that was responsible for one of the most important negotiations uh, outside of the government in a while. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, being, being in operations, uh, you know, we're not trainers. We don't have to do anything medically on the field or like the equipment guys we're not you know we don't have anything to do with the, the helmets or the actual excuse me equipment so so we're there zach zach gorth who works in team ops with me um we we're there in case anything needs to be done uh and then touchdown was scored uh, i was walking across the brent the bench and then tom called me over hey timmy you know is brad around so go call call brad berlin we come over he's like hey can one of you guys go get the uh, the ball out of the stands i was like all right i'll go get it so walk over, you know, uh, talk to the guy, you know, long story short, ended up walking away with the ball. Uh, the whole thing was caught on camera. Wasn't even thinking about that at the time. <laughs> uh, but after seeing all the media that that got, I'm just glad that I did get the ball. Yeah. Uh, if I would have walked, walked away empty handed, uh, that, that would have been a really bad walk of shame. Yeah. Especially when Tom Brady's the guy that you're, you're trying to make happy there. Did, did it feel like pressure in the moment or did you not really think about it? I wasn't even thinking about it. Just, you know, Tom, you know, he, he doesn't ask for anything. He, he's just a really good, you know, Good guy, uh, easy going, but he he wanted me to try and go get it. So of course I'm gonna go do whatever I can to get yeah. it. And 
just glad that I was able to. This is this is amazing. And uh, was it fun for like your friends and family and everybody to see you get your little moment of fame? Yeah, yeah. You know, kids thought it was cool. You know, my wife, my family, friends. Uh, and then uh, the next night, Monday Night Football, I was laying in bed with my daughter, you know, falling asleep. And then my phone started blowing up again. You just got a shout out on Monday Night Football from Tommy. I was like, what, what are you guys talking yeah. about? Like, I'm, I'm not even watching the game. I'm just laying here. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it was it was definitely interesting. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit about what the normal duties are of your job that are separate from that. So with team operations, uh, the department, our, our primary focus is the, the logistics, the travel for the team. So anything that comes in for moving the team from Tampa to an away city and back. Uh, so that includes planes, hotels, buses, uh, work with Brad Berlin on all of the equipment, working with Andre, uh, our director of security on police escorts and anything in between. So the food on the plane, we work with our nutrition staff, food at the hotel, uh, per diem for anybody that, that needs to eat out or can't get to the team meals, um, just anything and everything that, that takes from moving from Tampa away and back to the point where even in the away city, we'll, we will become somewhat of an event department right uh where if if anybody needs anything we're going to get it we're setting it up the, the meeting rooms the audio visual just uh we, we kind of at times get looked at as the, the local expert in the away city even yeah. though we're still like in the case of munich still just learning it ourselves yeah that's amazing and how did you get into a role like that? I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, is, is it an event background? Is it, a, you know, the, if they're sitting there thinking, I would love to do this, what, what is the path to that kind of job? Uh, honestly, I did stadium operations before working for the Bucks at, over with uh, TSA. Uh, but my first job here was a secretary um, just for team services, which was an umbrella department that was oversaw travel, training camp, game day, special events, cheerleading, wow. community relations. Um, but I was the secretary for the director um, that, that ran all of those. And uh, after a couple of years, it turned out that I was learning a bit more about the logistics part than I realized. And then, you know, that kind of became my niche. That's incredible. We're talking to the uh, head of team operations, Tim Jaraki. And tell us about the team you have working with you and the roles that everybody has and, and how, how many people and man hours it takes to do what you're talking about. Oh man, the, uh, the, the glue that holds everything together is Zach Orth. Uh, I mean, that guy, I mean, he's the smartest you know, person that I know. Um, and you know, he, he's by far the best advanced guy in, in the business. Uh, so he'll handle, typically within our department, I'll focus more on the, uh, the planes and the hotels. Zach will handle a lot of the, the ground transportation, a lot of the practice facility stuff whenever we're in a way city. Yeah, you call them the advanced guy. For people who don't know, explain kind of why it's called that and, and what that means. Yeah, so, so whenever we fly to an away game, typically games on a Sunday, we'll leave on a Saturday as far as the team goes. But Zach and our intern this year, Michaela, they will fly up on Thursday. Uh, so they get to the away city, call it uh, our next road game is Pittsburgh. They'll go to Pittsburgh on Thursday. Uh, they'll meet with the airport, um, meet with the hotel, go to the stadium. Uh, track everything out, make sure that everything is set as it needs to be. Two stair trucks, you know, uh, how hard is it to get onto the, the tarmac to meet the plane, you know, uh, meeting with the hotel, the meeting space, uh, talking with the chef, uh, and then again, going to the stadium, making sure that we have everything there that we need. 
in terms of bus parking within the locker room with whiteboards. Uh, so they handle all that on the front end so that as the team arrives on Saturday, we just land and, you know, just go straight and uh, go, go about our way with meetings and whatnot. And nobody really knows all the hard work that Zach and Michaela uh, do on the front end with the advance. Um, so they uh, the, definitely the, the people behind the scenes that make everything run smooth. Yeah, you've brought up so many aspects of traveling a team. What are some of the things that typically surprise people the most of, it's one thing to just say, okay, yeah, we have to go stay in a hotel, but there are so many things that you need at the hotel to make it work for all of them. So what are a lot of the, the details of things that, that people are surprised that you kind of need to focus on and have to plan when it comes to the, the planes, trains, automobiles, and, and hotels and everything that you do? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people look at an NFL team and they think 53 players on the active roster. So um, when, when we're traveling, our travel party is probably about 170 or so people. You know, we have the 30 coaches, uh, all the players, and then all the support staff that travel with us. So it's a lot of moving parts with, you know, what what the rooming list is. Um, I'll work with the hotel, get um, you know the floor plans. We'll assign floor uh, rooms for the players. We have to deal with security, um, making sure that none of the other city's fans are, are anywhere in our in our area. Um, but also, you know, trying to keep it as smooth as possible. Uh, we always try to make sure that the players and coaches don't have to think about anything but football. So from the, the time they step foot off the plane onto the buses and then again, stepping foot off the buses into the hotel, we're trying to think of everything so that they don't have to. So from elevators being ready to just shoot them straight up to their rooms without having to stop at other floors and deal with other players or other, other guests, um, having food ready for them, um, being private and secure on the meeting space level, but also in the room so that the coaches and the video guys uh, that everything is set for them to be able to, you know, have their meetings. Uh, so watching film, uh, the drinks were there's drinks everywhere, water and Gatorade so that they can be hydrated for the game. Um, but then ultimately, you know, there's a lot of other moving parts that go along with that. Um, we'll do wake up calls, um, making sure everybody's on the buses and nobody's left behind. Um, you know, the occasional issue at the hotel that you may need to deal with, like, a you know, a leak in a meeting room um, or, you know, fire alarm had happened before. So, you know, we, we deal with everything, uh, work with security on curfews and bed checks. And then, you know, next thing you know, we're out of the, the hotel into the stadium. What, you, you bring up a few of the things that can potentially go wrong. What are some of the things that in your, how, how long have you been in this role, by the way? Uh, I started with the team in 2005. And then I want to say I started focusing on the, the logistics and travel part um in 2008. okay so in now a, a decade and a half essentially we're coming up on uh what are some of the craziest things you've had to deal with or the things that have gone wrong on normal road trips oh man i, I could write a book i mean <laughs> uh a couple of us over previous years you talk about you know that's just another one for the book yeah <laughs> um and it, it might take some diving to think about it but we've had plane issues uh plane broken down I think it was a couple years ago in 2020 that um, play, we had a couple of breakdowns. We almost took off four different times, but had to you know taxi back uh, and then ultimately change planes. And we were delayed about eight hours Oof. to the point where you know you had to get everything off the plane, get it onto a smaller plane that we had to wait for and redo the seating chart, 
Um, by the time we were on, I sat down finally, and first thing I see on the TV in front of me was Buccaneers playing delayed eight hours. Bottom ticker on ESPN. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah, dang. This is, see, this is typically the time you make the news, which is why we're glad you at least got to have that 600 ball <laughs> rescue. So you're not only in the news for when planes are delayed. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's delays. Um, there's, uh, you know, we've had buses break down while we were on the runway. Uh, Zach's had to deal with a whole, you know, a whole bunch of stuff when he's on the advance. And again, nobody knows anything that he's dealing with from, you know, buses breaking down and having to scramble to get another one there. Um, I want to say one of our games already this year, we had a sponsorship group, our suite holders. Uh, so they had a separate set of buses. They were ahead of the team going to the airport after the game and their bus broke down, blocking one of the uh, gates onto the tarmac. <laughs> uh, their, their pilots showed up a little, little bit later than, than they wanted to. So it's, there's just a whole lot of stuff that's out of your, out of your control that, you know, if we had a, a longer time, time span, we could probably get into a lot more of them, but. Uh, take a little bit of time to think that far as well. That's incredible. Okay, we have more coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with Director of Team Operations Tim Jaraki, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks insider Casey Phillips, brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. I am joined by Director of Team Operations Tim Jaraki, a.k.a. the man that rescued the team from the hurricane. And uh, so let's get into how this whole process went for you last week and just take us through the timeline of when you realized that you guys were going to need to leave and how much was already pre-planned, how much did you have to figure out in the moment. Just take us through that whole process. Uh yeah, so first off, the man that, that did it all, um, I'm one of. I mean, obviously, we got there was a, a ton of people involved. Um, you know, I've mentioned Zach a, a bunch and probably will uh, continue doing so. But Michaela Cordomas, um, she helped and, you know, a lot uh, all the way down to Duke and everybody communicating with the, with the players. Brad, I could, I could just keep going. But um, the, the, the funny thing is coming out of 2017 with Irma, um, we created uh, more of a hurricane contingency plan. And so, you know, a whole long list of, uh, you know, what to do in terms of, you know, getting the facility ready, but also the, the getting the team to safety part. Um, and one of the, the, the silly parts on, on that checklist that I had was, Tim watched the Weather Channel from May until November. Yeah. Uh, so, but actually ended up, you know, I, Typically during this season, um, I have the Weather Channel on. You know, volume's usually down, but it's just on in the background. So it was actually watching um, watching it pop up. And then, you know, once it started, uh, whatever the last storm was that came through hit Puerto Rico, but didn't hit, uh, hit us, you know, I, I sent that to a bunch of people within the organization. So we started monitoring it. But then as that was starting to wane, this, uh, this invest popped up off of the coast of Venezuela and started tracking it. And so I want to say it was uh, the week prior, you know, we started talking about it more and more all the way to the point where, you know, we had conversations, where would we go? Um, part of the, the plan was, you know, we had a, a, a location to go to or the thought of going to in each time zone based on the track of the storm, what part of the schedule we were in, in terms of where we getting ready to go to an away game, was it a home game? Uh, what time of the year, um, what part of the week were we in. So started looking at, you know, uh, the East Coast and Central time zones that, that we had planned. Um, and 
for various reasons. Most of them didn't work uh, because of availability or we couldn't find enough meeting space because we had to have individual breakout rooms for every position, not just the, the big rooms. Um, so we were originally gonna go to West Virginia. Uh, the Greenbrier Resort up there has a lot of um, you know, experience with NFL teams that have had training camp uh, as well as week-long practices. So we were gonna look there just to get away. It was a one-stop shop with practice fields, locker rooms, uh, rooms and everything. But then you know, as, as the weekend came about with Green Bay, um, it, it started tracking more and more towards Tampa and we started looking at it a lot closer to the point where I was getting into conversations with the hotel, uh, introducing their chef to our nutrition team to get menus all set. And we, we were actually getting contracts in place. I was uh, at my son TJ's football game and I was still getting phone calls from the hotel to, to you know, like, hey, what do we need? What do we gotta do? You know, we need to get a scoreboard. We have to bring that in from Virginia, all that stuff. And then we had to f deal with planes. You know, where would they go into? Because based on the size of the plane, they can or can't get into West Virginia. You may have to fly into Virginia. So, um, but ultimately our, our want was to, to stay put. You know, the best for the team would be to not disrupt our, our, our routine. Um, but then as Monday came, uh, it was definitely tracking. It built up a lot. Um, it was a lot stronger storm so that we had to start looking. And we didn't really want to bring anything up to the players and everybody before the Green Bay game. You know, you had to focus on the Packers. But then as soon as that game was over, Sunday night, we had phone calls with, you know, the whole organization going over plans. Um, so Monday came and looking at the track of the storm and how do we get people to want to evacuate, bring their families and their dogs, and how long would it take for the equipment truck to drive to West Virginia if we had to come back crossing over whatever the storm path was. So looking at the cone, Miami wasn't in it at all. A lot shorter drive, uh, probably make it a lot more, uh, a lot more of a want for people to take their families and you can get the truck there and back and for, you know, there in four hours. So uh, talked with Jason Light and Todd Bowles and we had many meetings um, and ownership was involved uh, and ultimately that got the green light. And then we started making calls for hotels and planes and practice facility and everything. That's incredible. We're talking to Director of Team Operations, Tim Jaraki. So then after this plan gets made, take us through the toughest logistical challenges with this and what it was like once you actually got down there. Because I'm guessing with all of the team and the families and the pets that it was a bit of mayhem. Is, is that fair to say? <laughs> Yeah, it was. And, and uh, I can only speak to the parts that I, that I was involved in, uh, because again, as I mentioned, it, it was a really a team effort. Um, I, I'm, I'm one part of the whole, the whole thing that happened. Uh, so it was, the hard part was getting a plan in place. So um, we have, Duke was communicating with the players. Jason and Todd were, were making the calls and communicating with, you know, Brian Ford and ownership. Um, and so Zach, Orth was, he was the point on communicating with the Dolphins, getting the practice facility and all the ground transportation in Tampa, as well as Miami. Um, and then uh, I was searching for hotels along with planes to get us down there. And the hardest part I would say was um, 
getting finding finding hotels with enough rooms on Monday night that we were going to be checking into Tuesday afternoon, and as well as the meeting space that that we would need to house all the individual meeting rooms, the meal room, a locker room, uh, treatment room, recovery room, uh, and so uh, I was using national contacts for several different chains, but ultimately. The one hotel that came back that had all the space is the one that we ultimately went to down in Biscayne. That's incredible. And uh, what was it like to watch? I mean, you're used to transporting the team, but to watch them with their kids and families and and even the pets. What was that like down there at the actual hotel? It. I mean, it was interesting. It was actually it was, in a weird way of saying it was actually kind of comforting um, because you get to see a different different view of everybody. I mean, you see these these huge players or you see the same same staff members every day, but then when you see them interacting with their families and you know, seeing Donovan Smith walking around with, with his babies and you know, Mike Evans kids and uh, you know, have my daughter playing peekaboo with Mike's Mike's kids. <laughs> uh, it it definitely, you know, humanized everybody and and not just the players, also the coaches and the staff that you're with every day, you see them in a different light. And I mean, it, it made it very different from a regular road game, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And what do you feel like now were the biggest takeaways from doing this? Because you talked about how you had all these contingency plans after Irma preparing for something like this. Well, now you've actually done it. And what do you feel like now you've learned moving forward? Because, you know, we hope it's not a thing that has to happen again. But when you live in Florida, there's always a chance it happens again. So what were your takeaways? Uh, you can never plan enough. Um, definitely have to have plans in place. Have uh, you know contingency A, B, C, D, um, but also you know uh, the relationships that you build with people. Um, I feel like um, the relationships that that we built with you know airline uh, counterparts, airline contacts, bus contacts, hotel contacts. It, it makes them want to help you more and, and realize the that you know your need to to scramble and their want to also scramble with you when they don't have to uh, because ultimately we were very lucky to be able to get away to safety and and stick to our routine as much as possible when there's a lot of people that, that couldn't and they can't moving forward so we know we're blessed for that but um just i mean the planning and, and you know thinking of all of the small details and you know, having a team to help because, again, you can't do this with just one person or two people or even a handful of people. Everybody did their role and, you know, you're, you're talking to one of them. All right. Well, we have one more segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access with Director of Team Operations, Tim Jaraki. Brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access with Head Coach Todd Bowles now continues. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. I am with Director of Team Operations, Tim Jaraki. And now, as if the hurricane wasn't enough, you get to plan for a trip to Germany, the first time doing that. Now, you have planned trips for London and, you know, other things that are not here. But, A, it is not like you don't have any other trips to plan between now and Germany. So you're still having to do things every single week. There's not a break before Germany. But what is it about that trip that is particularly different than normal trips, unique, more difficult? What are, what are the things that are where it, this is not just a typical road trip other than just being further away? I mean, uh, probably the big thing is gathering all the passports, <laughs> um, making sure everybody has them and, and we gather them all. But uh, 
different from a normal uh, normal domestic trip is the time zones. Uh, I think they're six hour uh, time difference. So it, it's hard with the communication over there in terms of when I'm just getting in in the, in the morning, you know, they're on the tail end of their day. And so there's not a lot of uh, overlapping time for direct communication. That's, so, yeah, that's challenging. So uh, that, there's usually a bit of lag in, in everything that's going on. But um, honestly, you know, everybody over there that we're working with, I mean, they've been great. Uh, to the you know the hotel and and Bayern they've they, they've been very hospitable and you know hugely helpful uh, on all of our end but you know it's uh, trying to get everything set to get through customs uh, with all of our equipment uh, the gear as well as anything else that we may want to send over there for for our team pub or any of the other events that we have in the city it's just a, a lot more a lot more of the the small detail planning that. It's, it's not normal over here. You can just throw it on a plane and go. Right. Yeah, that's so true. And what are the things specifically that um, you guys were having to look at for over there? It is a, lo- you know, a bit longer trip as well that you're there for a longer period of time and um, you have to practice there. Like there's just so much more to it, I feel like, than a typical road trip where it's just a hotel for a night. We go to the game and we leave. Um, what are some of the things that you guys had to with your, as you talked about earlier, your advanced team, which you're having to figure out ahead of time and some of the things that are different about doing it in Germany as compared to here, other than just sending the equipment that once you're actually there, some of the things that are different. Uh, I mean, just the whole process, you have to, you know, do get your passports and go through customs. And, you know, when we land, we're not in a private part of the airport. We still have to go through customs and immigration, get our bags and, and get on the buses to go to the hotel. But even the hotel, you know, the power is different. The power is sourced, the plugs, uh, you know, how many, uh, how many volts is everything. So making sure that, you know, nobody's going to fry their cell phones if they just plug it into the wrong, <laughs> uh, the wrong outlet or with the wrong adapter. Um, the, the time change, you know, we have, we have our sports science guys that they're dealing with the best way to get over the jet lag. Um, Cause you think three hours to Seattle may be a jet lag, six hours going the other way. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, trying to get them to sleep. Um, one of the important things we try to do is when we're on the plane, we get on the plane, we try to serve the food right away and then shut the lights out, everybody's sleep. So, so the focus of everything is trying to get their, the bodies accustomed to, to the time change and the, and the, uh, the new time. But we have practice, uh, you know, so we have, the, we have the facility, making sure that we have all that set up with the, the camera locations to film uh the meeting space again that we have um and then when we get to the stadium it's a soccer stadium i mean ultimately for practice as well but the games the the field dimensions are different so uh an nfl field it's narrower but it's longer so that we need to work on the field you know work with the people that will work on the field making sure that you know the the dimensions are long enough to have the end zone at practice um and you know, all the, all the details for that, but the NFL helps out with, uh, getting all the, uh, the equipment that we need, the practice gear that we may need that we're not going to take. Um, so it, a lot of, a lot of, of the small differences, uh, at the stadium, you know, the locker rooms are different, you know, soccer, we're in the soccer, uh, locker rooms. So they're, they're smaller, they mm-hmm. have smaller teams and they're, they're more divided. Uh, whereas here we have bigger teams and, and it's more open locker room. Right. So just trying to, you know, get all that, figured out and then communicate it to the appropriate people. 
What is the maybe hardest part of your job and or favorite part of the job both? Traveling. <laughs> it's the answer to both. <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, it's the, it, it's definitely the coolest part, seeing all the cities, uh, the different the different cultures, the different food, um, the different stadiums. But it's also the hardest part, leaving the family. Uh, you know, my, uh, my wife, Ashley, does a great job with the kids every time that, that I'm gone. Um, but uh, it, leaving leaving the kids and the family is definitely the hardest part. And then finally, what do you think are the most common questions you get asked when people find out what you do for work or maybe even misconceptions about what you do? What's your favorite stadium? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite city? Um, and the answer would be? Uh, probably home. <laughs> yeah, because then you haven't had to do everything. Uh, go, go, you know, I want to say Pittsburgh because that's home to me. Um, but it, it depends. I'll think of one city as less... Uh, less nice for me just because I may have had an issue with <laughs> right. with a, a you know a plane on the runway yeah. in, in one city. Nothing so, against the city, but just because you had an issue there, just, you're like, yeah. mm, dang it, I hate this place. Yeah, just just because because a bus broke down in that city, yeah. you know, I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it, it varies. I mean, it's all cool riding in the police escorts, being on the runway, you know, at night after a win, the the camaraderie on the plane. That's probably the coolest part. That's incredible. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on with us. This has been very cool to hear about your job. And thank you for everything you do for the team and that your team does all the work you guys do as well. But it is uh, definitely noticed. And as someone who has traveled a lot with the team, you guys kill it. And it is like we don't even know all the things that you guys have probably had to deal with. So thank you and uh, good luck the rest of the season. Thank you, ma'am. All right. Thanks for you guys for listening as well. This has been Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. This is the Buccaneers Radio.